Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, my beautiful red women out there. It's Elaine Kalila here with yet another episode of the Red Podcast. Yes your time to unplug and dive deep into all of the things that turn us on, light us up, make us feel more fully expressed in the truth of who we are, and more importantly that than that, presence the divine feminine mysteries back onto the planet inside the consciousness of our everyday mundane lives. Because that's where the rubber meets the road, in is how these inform us and how we're actually living, right? So today I have yet another interview that I'm putting in this series along with the Rose Mysteries, the priestesses of the Rose, the lineage of the Rose. And today I've got Tammy Brunk with me. Hello, love. Mm, hello, hello. So Tammy is an incredible astrologer, shamanic astrologer, and I'm sure we'll get into a bit more about what that's all about in a moment. And I've had the great, great gift of having Tammy sort of peripherally in my community and part of my world. And slowly, slowly in the last year, Tammy and I have got more and more connected. I've had a, a reading from Tammy, which was absolutely amazing. So if any of you are interested in deepening into shamanic astrology, I highly recommend that. But why I invited Tammy on today is because I'm currently enrolled in a program with her around the Venus cycle and understanding the descent journey of Venus and how that is a mapping for our own pathway of initiation. And I've approached this, Tammy, from a number of different angles now. And so I wanted to have you come on because I'm a bit obsessed with the astrological part of this, and which is even more ancient, right, than the stories that we have that have been based upon that astrology. And so I wanted you to come on and really talk to us about your vast and wonderful knowledge about the Venus Inanna descent mysteries and this this word, this beautiful word that you've used, ensoulment, and how what that's all about. What does it mean to become ensouled through this journey? So wherever you want to begin, absolutely. Um, our our women are are here to 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 learn from you and to be activated and and awakened. So I'm excited. Ah, well, I <laughs> I am excited too. So. Yeah. Yes, the the mm, so good to be here. Just feeling all of you in the room, listening later, and um, and I'm so 
delighted that you began also with that word ensoulment too. And that that's, you know, really the focus for today because I've been doing this work with Venus um, since 20, 2010, mm. um, guiding women and, a, and always a handful of men through the process. And when I first learned the connection, and so basically, again, it's that the way the Venus cycle works, it's a about a one and a half year, you could say, or a 19 month cycle, a repeating cycle. It, the, the story, the initiatory story of the descent of Inanna is, it's a description of the cycle, right? So mm-hmm. I think your, your listeners know that. Um, so when I first learned that, it just lit up so much inside of me as it does for mm-hmm. us, you know, but I was uh, with this Aries, I have an Aries ascendant. I was, um, you know, of course I wanted to just pioneer this immediately. I wanted to start teaching people. And so as soon as I learned it, it was going to be a new cycle. It was at the time, what we would refer to in shamanic astrology as the Scorpio overtone of the Scorpio metagoddess cycle in November of that year. And so I started guiding people in real time, um, through this initiation. And so we would meet every time Venus and the moon came together and, um, so I began the process there. And then in 2014, Kaylin Castell and I began to guide circles of women through this initiation, um, and, you know, through the whole journey. So we'd have a hundred people at a time who would join us for this initiatory journey. Um, and, and then we did some deeper work just in terms of focusing on, you know, what is morning star Venus and who, who is she and who is evening star Venus looking at the phases of Venus and when you're born into those different phases, how does that, um, what does that say about who you are? What does it say about your initiatory journey? And I'm a morning star Venus. And so I think probably because of that, I have a profound fascination for, for morning star. And basically the morning star Venus in connection to the Inanna mysteries is she is Inanna in the stories when she is at her most powerful. She is the goddess of war, of love, of lust, of, you know, she's all powerful. She's just this force of nature. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so if you, you know, I've been reading this book, um, the ladies, lady of largest heart, which is this gorgeous book of poetry, the first written, um, accounts that we know of from, from ancient Sumer written by the moon priestess in Hedwanen. And when you're reading these poems, I mean, she's really speaking into all the dimensions of the feminine and, and she's just, she's everything. But so she's morning stars is incredibly bright. When we first see her rise in the morning sky, uh, depending on who you are working with, with you, when you work with the Venus cycle, you know, in the astrology of it, many people. In, in astrology will begin the cycle when Venus is at Kazemi or on the throne or when Venus is with the sun. In the shamanic astrology paradigm, we start the cycle as the Sumerians would have when we first see Venus in the morning sky, when she first appears. That moment is incredibly powerful. That moment is so powerful. And this is a little dark, so trigger alert, because Venus has the dark and the light, right? Yeah. There is a 27 page document at one point that I started studying that describes all of the different cultures historically within the context of patriarchy, I will say of the last 5,000 years who would time their, their battles, they would begin their battle or they would offer blood sacrifice at the moment of Venus's heliacal rise. They would time everything according to that because that was the moment of greatest potency and power. 
for Venus, right? So morning star Venus is very young energy. You could almost say add Aries. That's what, um, <laughs> right? It, it's just very, very fiery, very young. And so Inanna is the uninitiated queen. She's just all powerful, right? So one of the ways, as I started really diving into the morning star mysteries, it's like, she's just, she's like all of us when we, we have this kind of innocence, you know, she's just been born. Venus in her cycle is very close to the earth. She's anytime a planet's retrograde and Venus is retrograde when she rises as morning star, she's going to be at her greatest potency and power. So understand this moment of heliacal rise when it begins. First of all, understand for yourself personally, this is a time to time things. There's power mm. there. Mm. Um, but also that this expression of the feminine, um, I would say she is more of the, um, again, she's young, but she, she, she is not fully landed in the body at this stage. She hasn't experienced the, um, the difficulties of life. Everything you could say has been handed to her on a platter. You know, she's just this all powerful being. And so she, she is more of the sky goddess, you could say in a sense. So she hasn't had the human experience. Mm -hmm. So this is part of why when I started really deepening into this process and I'm morning star. And at the time that I started doing this study with Kaylin and we created this course, I was going through a massive shakeup in my life. I was ending a 10 year relationship. Um, and I was moving from New Mexico back to my, um, native Missouri and everything was falling apart. And I started really feeling what I started recognizing is morning star Venus. What she has to have most of all is courage. She has to have so much courage to choose mm -hmm. to descend. Mm -hmm. She has to have so much courage mm -hmm. to choose ensoulment. She's not going to stay up there in the lofty realms. And when she sets her ear to the great below, which is my favorite part of the Anana story, yeah, she sets her ear to the great below and they repeat that as they do in these great sagas. She sets her ear to the great below and she hears the call of soul. And it's when we've been living on the surface for so long and we've all found ourselves there and we might go there again and again. We've been on the surface. Our souls are parched. We feel dry. And she's in that moment. There's got to be more. There's got to be some form of, you know, more aliveness, more juiciness. Mm. There's more depth. And she chooses. And it's that moment of choice where I always am like, oh my God, to choose it. Right. That's how courageous she is. That's why she's the lady of largest heart. She's so courageous. Mm. So, mm. and she doesn't, and she doesn't know what she doesn't know. <laughs> 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 because because the truth is, is if we really knew, we may not choose it. <laughs> choose it. Right. I, I mean, this is my, I, thank you for that description. It's so yeah. beautiful. And um, I love, okay, so what y'all need to know is, number one, we're recording this podcast on the equinox, equal yeah. light and dark, in the Kazemi yeah. of Mercury. Mercury. Mm. And we, one of the things that is so fascinating is you've just talked about the morning star, right? So, that is this, this part of us that's the uninitiated right now, right? It's the part of us that, that is going along, but knows there's something more. And I love yeah. that thing because for me, I remember all the times in my life where, especially as a teenager into my early twenties, where I'd look around and I said, come on now, this, this gotta be more than this. This can't be it. Like, like right? You remember yes, that? Right. And it's yes. like, that's who she is, right? She's air, that Aries energy where it's like the first sign of the zodiac. It's like, it's new. Everything's new. And it's, yeah, that innocence, but also that kind of like almost that naivete and that kind of like just jump in, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I love this identification that you make around the choice, because to me, this is the whole repatterning of the divine feminine, feminine mysteries, where we have so many stories where it's about, oh, you know, like Demeter and Persephone. Persephone gets abducted into the underworld. Right. You know, she gets taken. And in this story that predates that story by quite a long time, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in the Sumerian story, we have Inanna and it's her choice to come down mm-hmm. from the morning star. And we see that recapitulated through that Venus journey. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, so we've talked about the morning star. So who is the evening star? And I will not let you all know, I'm an evening star. <laughs> You're my guest. <laughs> and when I, had a, when I had the reading done with Tammy, it, it was like, you know, when you have one of those moments astrologically where you're like, wow, this stuff is so powerful. But when you gave me that reading, Tammy, and you said, where where Venus is in my cycle is Inanna's just got off the meat hook. <laughs> and she is like just being reborn, but she's barely alive yet. She's kind of coming back to life. She's been through this extraordinary underworld journey. And she knows that she's about to be resurrected, but she's in that tender skinless place. And when you told me that as a reflection, oh, it makes me want to cry. I, I, um, I was so moved because it was as if you were describing what I, yes, where I, part of me lives, part of me lives in that place. And also my work within Priestess Presence and with all the women that I work with tends to be in that place. I work with the initiation of death and life. That's, that's really where I hang out. And, um, and I'm at tremendous comfort or trust in that place. And so as you're listening to this, I want you to all imagine, you know, you, and if you don't know, then a reading with Tammy would be a great thing to do, but where your Venus is, because it was tremendously illuminating for me to receive that information. So let's talk about this yeah. other side, yes, the, the dark yeah. side or the underworld side of Inanna. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, and let me just be clear that Ah, and thank you. I just, it moved me so much. I was getting chills even when you were saying that, because I do, I feel that so much. And and what it says to me about even your journey is it, again, there's, there are different forms of courage and evening star courage is different. Right. You know, what you're describing is that tender, potent place of still choosing to rise. You're still choosing to rise. Right. And in some ways the evening star has more work to do it's more constructive practical reclaiming versus the releasing and lightning it's a very different journey yeah um so but i want to first say that well interestingly um venus was the goddess in many cultures and um in some slovenian uh, or slavic cultures she actually had three faces different than the Mm -hmm. the triple goddess she had morning star evening star and midnight star Ooh. right so that would have been the underworld that would have been when she was, because, so in Venus Alchemy. Oh, that gave me the chills when you said isn't that. that. Yeah, isn't That's that. Beautiful. Right. Isn't that beautiful? I, I love that. Zoria. Zoria is the triple goddess. Just look it up. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, but in the Venus Alchemy work that I've done that's sourced in the shamanic astrology paradigm, we see four phases, mm-hmm. right? So there's morning star, and then there's the Inanna underworld phase. That's about two months. Mm-hmm. Morning star is about eight months. Um Inanna Underworlds is about two. And then the evening star phase, it's about eight months on average. And then there's this third mysterious phase that we refer to as the metamorphic 
underworld, right? And that's this powerful moment where she she's in the evening and she's retrograde during that phase. She's very close to the earth. She's bright in the evening sky. And then within sometimes as few as eight days, sometimes even two or three, she switches and she's in the morning sky. So there are four phases, right? So I've talked about morning star, Inanna underworlds. That's actually the phase of Venus that we've just entered. And the, that initiatory journey really is, well, I find it to be also incredibly mysterious, but the, and, and you're quite close to that. You know, you're in a sense, almost like a bridge between the underworld goddess and the, um, the evening star. Mm-hmm. Underworld, you can almost say add Scorpio, <laughs> add the water sign, right? Add the deep feeling experience because that's when Venus is at her, is her furthest from the earth. She's on the other side of the sun. And, so she's a mirror. So when she goes to her furthest extreme out, we're going to our furthest descent uh-huh. inward. That's the process of ensoulment. So whatever it is, when you're an underworld goddess, I don't care what else you have in your chart. And I've seen this many times. You might be all love and light, all Leo, all Gemini, all whatever play, whatever, you know, but if you've got Venus within 10 degrees of the sun and she's not retrograde in your chart, you are an underworld's Venus. And so you add Scorpio, add that depth, add that intensity. And this is fascinating for me when you explain this, because for me, my my Venus is is in Leo in the first house, but it's at kind of one degree. Yeah, right. So it's only just out of the 12th house, which is what you're Mm. describing, right? Yes. He's just come out of the darkness. And it's like, you know, and this is where the the, the power of this archetypal journey, I guess so that's why I really wanted you to come and talk because this is something that's held in our blood, breath and bones. Like this is yes. our yes, deepest part of our humanity that's been traveling and looking at this Venus sky and understanding how it's a mirror, right, for our own journey for many, many thousands, if not hundreds yes. of thousands of years. Yes. Absolutely. So it's Absolutely. so ancient. So, okay, so we're in the underworld for those two okay. months, right? We're in the... Yes. Okay, come back to the Sometimes story. a little more. Come back to the story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Inanna underworld initiatory portal and what that init- a person with that signature, with yeah. that Venus signature mm-hmm. of underworld Venus, will, will feel much like a Scorpionic kind of person. It adds that depth. It adds that, or Pluto. Add Pluto. You know, it's like that. Because the ancients, before they even would have supposedly known about Uranus or Pluto or that or planets or asteroids, they still, if, because they followed intimately the cycles of being, of the inner planets, they would have prescribed and would have sensed and felt and spoken into those Plutonic or Uranian um, other kinds of energetics through the, the really deep in understanding of observing the inner planet, the visible planetary cycles. Right. So that's really clear with Venus, also with Mars. If they're close to the sun, you can't see them. That adds Pluto or Scorpio, right? Or eighth house energies, however you want to say that. So then, okay, evening star. So when I am working with a woman or a man, for that matter, who has evening star Venus, the first thing I want to acknowledge to this person is that they've already been initiated. They've already gone through the initiation. And so often for them, it literally, because Inanna's claiming you know, with the waxing crescent moon, she's reclaiming each of her vestments. Um, that for that person, it's often a process of remember what you know that you forgot you knew. You know, it's that Greek word I love so much, anamnesis, remembering what the soul already knows. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So you've already, it's not to say Morningstar people don't know anything. It's, it's not about that, but there's something specific to the, the, the feminine journey, the mm. feminine initiatory path that the priestesses are, are the evening stars often, <laughs> right? There's something about it's more earthy. So if you look at what the traditional astrologers would have said about Morningstar, they say they refer to it as luciferous. It's, it's connected to Christ or to Lucifer. Um, to be not, it's all about rising up and then falling down. That's what Venus does. Evening star is, so you add fire with morning star. Evening star, you add earth. So evening star is, um, the love goddess. She's the priestess. You know, she's more like the Ven, like the, the Taurus or the Capricorn or the, um, Virgo expression of, of the goddess. She's more embodied. She's, you know, she's more like fully knows who she is. She has this wisdom and depth to her. She's, they would say, you would say with, with, um, morning star, there's more action before reflection with evening star. It's more reflecting and then taking action. And right. So I will say, even when Kaylin and I were doing a live workshop, our first live workshop, the first time we brought people through the cycle and we were lit up the whole time and we were just so in love with her and with <laughs> Venus and we all were, we were just falling madly in love and we did, we, we had as part of our, our live event, we, we grouped morning star underworld and evening star people in different groups. Oh, wow. How fast. And it was so funny, right? Because the evening star women, like they just, they got together and then they figured it all out because they were going to do a skit, right. To just, to show, to demonstrate. So they got everything figured out and then they went off for lunch and they were fine. The morning star people, they, they procrastinated. They waited till the last minute and they kind of figured it all out at the last, like on the fly. <laughs> right. And this is how they are. You know, this is the evening star, morning star dynamic. That's hysterical. So, I love it. That, yeah. that clear archetypally, of course. it will. Oh, So right. clear. Yeah. So clear. Well, and I will say too, that's what one of the things I love the most about the Venus cycle. It's so potent is that it's stripped down. It's bare. You know, it, mm. you, 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 it's helpful to work with archetypes. You know, we both, you and I both work with archetypes, which I love. And sometimes I suspect you like me are most interested in, what's the essence, the primordial essence, even beneath the human archetype. As you know, when I was doing your chart too, that's something that was beginning to wake up in me in terms of the signs. And um, so same with Venus, like even if you don't know what sign anything's in, if you put yourself in the perspective of an ancient astrologer, when you know a baby's born, when Venus is in the morning sky and she's at her brightest and highest, that gives you a felt sense in the body of who that child is here to be. Yeah. yeah. And you already know how the cycle works. So you already also know she's this bright star, but she's going to go through a process of ensoulment. <laughs> this is no easy path, you know? And if you see her just having risen and she's just very faint in the horizon and she's coming out of the underworld, you're going to be like, Oh girl, <laughs> that, that death, you know, like that, like death life edge that you live on, mm-hmm. you know, surround yourself with lots of love and what courage it takes to be who you are and what a raw edge you're here to bring into the world. Right. So, you know, this, okay. So this piece, I just want to speak this to underscore something to all of you who are listening in case you, um, yeah, in case you want to hook in an eye, because one of the things, so when you 
when Tammy's talking about this ensoulment process, yeah. right, we're we're really talking about when Inanna gets called down to the underworld and she enters yeah, the yeah. underworld and there's those seven gateways she has to go through where she's she's basically disrobed of all of her worldly, you know, all of her queenly, worldly okay. attributes. She has to yeah. lay them down and it's yeah. signified in the Inanna journey through the vestments, a crown, a necklace, a breastplate, all of these things until she reaches the underworld and then she dies, right? She is, yes. Reshkigal literally takes one look at her and she's struck dead, Yes, hung on this meat hook for the three days. And we all know that story because Jesus had the same story and yes. Osiris had the same story, right? The three mm-hmm. days. And that's connected mm-hmm. into the Venus cycle, right? That three yes. days translates and then she begins the journey that you're talking about, which is the, the the reclamation as she goes back up through the seven gateways, picking up now all her vestments. But now she's initiated. Now she is humanized in some yes. way. Right? Yes. She's become more fully exactly. human. Yes. And that's what this journey is. It's why it fascinates me so much because it's not about getting up and out of here. It's actually about getting down and in here. So I'll yeah, just yeah. say that piece and then oh. pick up your thread. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It is about that becoming human, becoming a true human process, which is just, it is so raw and it's where we're at collectively. It's where we're at collectively. Yeah. Isn't it though? Yes. Isn't it though? And speaking, you know, like there's, I, at one stage, there's another layer of the story that there's too many layers to to share on this, but there's another layer that involves uh, Demuzi, who is Mars. Because historically, there was a dance between Venus and Mars in the sky that was chronicled as well. And when I first started learning that version of the story, I had this insight that, you know, the goddess Inanna, she's been in the underworld for five, 6,000 years. She's been in that process for that long, but it's a natural cycle. Nobody did it to her. She chose it. She needed her time, you know, to also do the deep inner work as we all do. And so the masculine demuzi has been up there and he's just kind of trying to hold the world on his shoulders and it's not going well. <laughs> right? So when she comes up to the surface, he's like, in this story, she, she comes up and she sees him on the, on the throne and he's just like, oh, it's you, Inanna. And this is after, mm-hmm. you know, she comes up and she's, by the way, another layer of the story is that she's followed by demons. Right. Because that's the deal. She has to... Um, the demons come up with her to take the next person who they will pull down into the underworld because there has to be violence between, you know, dark light, equinox. So interesting, right? Inanna is the goddess that balances dark and light. She is the goddess that holds it all within her. So perfect that we're talking on equinox. Um, but so often, you know, Jungians and others who study this story and many women would look at the story and and when she comes up out of the underworld, the first two people who meet her, her beloved best friend, maidservant, Ninshavar, and her brother, they fall at the ground just weeping. And they're like, oh, Inanna, we missed you so much. And it's just the proper honoring of the feminine. Mm-hmm. Then she gets to the Muzi and he's just like, whatever, you know, <laughs> totally aloof. And of course, the usual thought, just like a man, right? And then when she says to the demons, oh, yes, take him. Then he's, he turns into a gazelle. He turns into a bird. He's trying to get out of it all. <laughs> right. And everybody's like, Oh, yes, of course. That's what happens. But I really felt when I heard that story, it's like, because it's because she abandoned him. Mm-hmm. That's how he felt it. He had to hold the world on his shoulders and the masculine, neither the masculine or feminine are made to hold that on their shoulders mm-hmm. alone. And so he's just 
he's just probably in in shock from the whole experience. Right. And he probably longed for her and missed her. So there are a lot of ways that that story plays out. But I think when I felt that and heard that, I'm like, oh, wow, she's been in the underworld for 6,000 years. She's been doing her deeper work. The masculine's been trying to hold the world together. It's not going well. So what is what is this new story? You know, how is it that they, I think that's also where we're at. So mm. I kind of veered, I must say. No, but that but, but well, feels so, like an important story. Well, and you read my mind. You picked up on something I was, I was pinging into the space, which was what's the bigger picture overview that we're in, right? So we've got our personal yeah. charts and then we've even got this moment. Yes. But we've also got the the epoch, like the last six thousand years, yes. basically her being in the underworld, and and it's very. And I'll just remark on this because mm-hmm. you love how synchronicity works, right? I was having mm-hmm. a conversation with a sister earlier on today, and she was talking to me about how her beloved husband had turned to her and said, "Well, you left, you left and went away," and mm-hmm. and and there's something around mm-hmm. what you're speaking there around. It wasn't just that the patriarch came in and, you know, exerted all this power. Yes, that happened. But it also happened because the divine feminine was called to go do this work on behalf of the collective. And we're in that transition, that end of the epoch. And I'm also really struck, uh, my love, because obviously as we're recording this, we also just had the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. And the whole shift of an epoch, oh. right? Oh, absolutely. The, absolutely. Yeah. So we're in a massive, yeah, massive shift. shift. Right. Massive. Fascinating. I, I mean, it can't be. Yes. Incredible. It couldn't be any more powerfully timed. I mean, and as we speak today, again, Mercury retrograde is conjunct the sun at Kazemi on its throne in, in, in about zero Libra. So this is a powerful reset point just in general, right? Yeah. So we're in this moment of a very, again, the shift of the epoch. Absolutely. This is another one of those moments and a reset in many ways. And the, when queen, um, the, when the queen died was right as Venus was preparing to enter the underworld. I thought it was, I wanted to check that with you. Yes, it was, that was you know, it was. Yes. I mean, she was literally, I mean, she wasn't quite literally like in the beams of the sun, but so close, so close that again, it's just, she was, she was for all intents and purposes entering that journey. And so how incredible is that? And not only that, from the perspective of the Venus alchemy work, the Venus cycle, it's the entire saga. It's the entire 584 days, 19 months, however you want to see it. That in, in whatever sign she rises in as morning star or whatever season, whatever sign, that is the metagoddess for the entire cycle. So we are in the Capricorn Venus metagoddess cycle. So this great matriarch, you know, that's the feminine Capricorn, the matriarch, mm-hmm. the, the matriarch of, of our, of our time. She, she is making her descent as Venus makes her descent. I mean, it couldn't be more precise, could it? No, I thank you for saying that because I wondered, since I'm part of Tammy's class and we're studying this, I was like, I wondered where Venus was as this moment happened and the timing of that. And well, as you say, we can't make that shit up. (laughs) 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 And the interesting piece is, is that, you know, I noticed this in the, you know, who knows in the news, but you know, that she, she knew that she was going. 
She knew that she was going and, you know, and that she had a very peaceful actual end, that it was not long and drawn out. It was a very quick, you know, by dying standards, she was up and about the week before and then she was gone, you know, and it's like, that is an interesting thing too, around timing, you know, the choice to leave. Yes, absolutely. She chose Absolutely. Like she, like Inanna, she chose, oh, that's so powerful. Right. And and you may have many conversations or thoughts about this as well, but I really do believe we, historically, we, as women, we would choose, we could choose when we would leave. We would choose when we conceived. We would choose when we didn't, you know, these were things we knew how to have full, full capacity for. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I, I, this is so, so rich. We could talk forever. And I know that <laughs> we'll probably have another, another podcast. But what I do want to ask you is actually something, something else that we were talking about before we started recording today. And I want to presence this, which is, so this is this whole Venus cycle. There's two things that I'm curious about, my love. And one of them is to do with, and you've spoken to it in some ways, but what does it mean to be an earth sky woman? Because mm-hmm. I think that that's connected into these different phases, right? Mm-hmm. Of the Venus cycle. But can you yeah. talk at it from that kind of perspective of the earth sky woman that, that feels really shamanic to me? Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I began to recognize earth sky woman in 2020 at the beginning of that time. And I was spontaneously called as we are to create this summit and I called it Earth Sky Woman because I had seen myself as I began to recognize that's who I am. I'm Earth Sky Woman. <laughs> and um, and so she began to take on a life of her own. And but I but the way I see her and the way she connects to Inanna really is I see Earth Sky Woman as an individual, um, as a woman who does She's someone who, and it's so, it's funny because as I think of it now, as I feel it now, it's, I feel her more than I even know her. She's kind of mysterious because we don't even know what she looks and feels like yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't fully embodied her yet, but how, how, part of how I see and feel her and have felt and seen her is, is actually through what she's not. Uh-huh. What I've seen is that there's a wholeness in what it means to be a human and in a female body. And that as we are in a moment of, mass awakening to who we are as the priestess, as the witch, as the, um, you know, as all these archetypes of the feminine, as it's all welling up to the surface, as we're all awakening, we see alive around us all the time and within us that split Mm -hmm. between the way I've been seeing it more and more is really like the sky priestess, Mm. like the sky people, the sky priestess, and then there's the, the blood witch or the earth witch, right? There's this massive divide and we see it in our culture as a whole the people who are close to the ground indigenous or even rural you know and that they're they're really close they're up de, de abajo they're from below and then because of our economic structure being as it is then we have the people who are on high you know who are modeling a different way of life um, we even see it in our spirituality and you know how is it so i often would see the as you said the mundane is where we need to bring the magic the feminine always wants to bring it down and in inana like sophia wants to bring it down and in so the earth sky woman truly is someone who has has made her peace mm. with probably not just two aspects but 
the whole multitude of, of the goddesses and of the feminine deities who live within her, who might have been in battle. Because there is a battle, not just between the men and the women. There has been a great battle internally and externally between the different aspects of the feminine. Look at what happened Mm -hmm. for the the women's march look at what happened when the indigenous female voices were not included when the women of color there is there's a lot of fear there inside all of us you know having to do with the differences of economics or genetic whatever that is there's all these places and it lives inside of our systems Mm. it lives inside of us and so i find it interesting that in this capricorn cycle which is all about the deepest dismantling of the overculture and internally our own cultural conditioning that the Kazemi, which is the heart of the cycle. And it's all about the heart. When Venus is in the heart of the sun, that's October 22nd. It's at 29 degrees Libra. So this is the, the degree of the ultimate culmination of this kind of internal external peacemaking of everything that's been at war inside of ourselves. So, Wow. You know, that's, and that's where the earth sky woman is born is in the heart. Yeah, it's it's, so beautiful. Surely she must inhabit her womb. Surely she's done that work to be connected to the, to the serpent medicine and to the womb medicine. And she's done her work to be deeply, to be co-regulating with earth. And surely she's also done the work to, to be connected to the sky mysteries and to know how that Kundalini energy, you know, rises up the spine and like a, like a Sekhmet or like any of the goddesses who have the, the mm-hmm. serpent, you know, that's rising from the top of the head. Surely she knows those higher awakening states, but she somehow, she, she brings it all at home in the heart. And so she's integrated. Oh. And, so, and, and that's, I think what we're, we're moving towards. So I love the way you just described that, you know, and, and you know, when you're hearing <clears throat> something that's, that's a deeper truth because it's emulated and repeated and seen in so many different fractals mm-hmm. of that same mm-hmm. story. And so I'm thinking about, you know, this process whereby, you know, Inanna shows us this, right? The, the, the underworld journey and the, the, the whole process of that ensoulment of the coming down and in and then the rising back up and this movement of both the incarnational, like the imminent yes. journey of down and in. into it. Yes. And then from there being able to transcend. And I think from my lensing and what I've seen so, so much in is that split where there's yes. those who are looking to transcend before they've ensouled. Mm-hmm. And you yes. can't actually transcend until you're ensouled. And that's been the missing piece. That's the missing piece. The divine feminine has been so reviled and so pushed yes. out of the picture. And the underworld has been demonized and seen yeah. as a bad place. Um, you know, and somewhere that you don't want to go is, is understood as hell or, you know, the right. fallen place, right? That you want to get away from your humanity. You don't want to come mm-hmm. into your humanity. Mm-hmm. Misunderstood that on this journey, it's about becoming more human, like we said. And through our humanity, we come into the heart where the marriage of the sky and earth happens, you know, and in, you know, in from the Magdalene, which is really where my study comes in mm. you know, of this journey of insolment is that this marriage, this internal marriage that happens between the divine and the human is what gives birth to the mm. fully awakened human. Yes. And so yeah, what we're speaking about is that balance point that says it's through 
going through these initiatory gateways, that we mm. awaken our hearts. Yes. And that is such a powerful, and I think it is where we are. Mm. And, it's, and it's been the last couple of years, as we all know, has been so, I mean, I was just reflecting on this yesterday. Mm. You know, I, I, there's so much that's being held, held in our individual and collective body. Yes. It's like, co- you know, co- we, our relationship with COVID has shifted, but it's mm-hmm. still here. Yeah. And, it's the, and the impact of it is very much in our nervous system and in our collective yes. nervous system, not to mention all of the unrest. And one of the things that I wanted you to comment on, because I think it's so fascinating, I was watching... um Something yesterday, you know, I was, I'd been reflecting a lot on this end of the era, with the Queen dying, and I was looking at, okay, so now we've got King Charles III, who's 73. We've got Joe Biden, who's 75 Ooh. or whatever he is. We've got Putin, who's up there in his late 60s. We've got all these old white guys who are literally out, you know, they're the, they're, they're the granddaddies. Yeah. King Charles is the oldest monarch to be ascended to the throne. Mm. There's something about that old guard and yes. the old system that has no virility to it and no, it's like it's in its waning, right? And yes. they're really seeing it. And yes. I'm so curious astrologically or just from your viewpoint of what, what you're seeing, because when I looked at that, I was like, wow, this is really telling. Mm. You wow. Know, where we stand in this cycle, right? Yeah, where do we stand in this cycle? It, well, astrologically, I mean, I, there's this so is much. Capricorn, right? I mean, you talked about it. It's the Venus. Yeah, yeah. This is the Capricorn. And because Venus, the goddess herself, is she is the one, in a sense, in the cycle who is doing the deepest stripping down mm-hmm. of the, the layers of patriarchy because Capricorn holds Oof. culture. Right. Capricorn carries culture. So Capricorn, in its original essence, was feminine. Yeah. was more about feminine elder wisdom, but it is the the matrix that kind of has carried the culture forward, mm-hmm. as did the queen, you could say, in her the best way she could. Um, and so we've been in a larger, I call it a Capricorn crucible. Yeah. These years we're talking about, this has been the heart of the Capricorn crucible where we go through the deepest composting of patriarchy. Because Capricorn is where the culture lives that needs the dismantling. And so, you know, because it's 2019, it was the South Node, it was Jupiter, it was Saturn, and 20, 2019, 2020, all those marching into the sign of Pluto needing, or sign of Capricorn needing Pluto. Mm. So, you know, the Capricorn crucible began, you could say, in 2008 when Pluto moved into Capricorn. You could say it closes in its greatest intensity in 2020, you know, even 2023 when Pluto moves into Aquarius. So this is a big window, but the greatest intensity and acceleration of it has been 2019, 2020, 2021, because then what we have is the Pluto return for the U.S. chart, right? It's been active, right? That's been massive. Um, last, you know, even beginning last year, even this year, there'll be some of it even next year. So we are in the heart of the crucible. We are in the U.S. in the heart of this deep culture change that must occur. But of course, yes, you're seeing it all across the globe. And what I found fascinating was that the goddess herself is supporting us in this last kind of Capricorn um, dismantling. And we could say even it's an ensoulment of the true Capricorn mysteries. Who is Capricorn really? And how is it expressed in the, in, in the different gendered bodies? What is it really? We don't know. 
Venus in the underworld in this phase of time from uh, about September 17th, 18th until December 1st, around that period, with the heart of it, October 22nd, this is when the deepest, um, the mystery mm. of the alchemy of Capricorn is occurring. So, you know, what is, what, and, and Capricorn is, has to do with the bones of the society, of the culture. Yeah. How do we govern is one of the biggest pieces. How do we govern? And some of that, what I've come to, because I've been in a meditation in it all year, do, can we govern our, do we know how to govern ourselves personally, individually? Do I know how to gov, self, self governance? And then there's also the concept of self organizing. How do we self organize? There's a word in Spanish and I wish I could think of a term of it again, but there are these, there are these communities in Mexico that I'm deeply, um, inspired by that for since the early nineties have been creating these spontaneous kinds of gatherings of humans where they create community in a very short period of time. And they, they offer a great deal to the communities around it, but they've been practicing. And there are people who've been practicing this self-organizing mode. So wow. that's wow. far more perhaps than you were asking. Well, so no, that, but I think, it, you know, I think there is a, that there's a moment where we understand, you know, that there's a, you know, innately, when we think about it, it becomes very complex, right? Because there's yeah. so many pieces to it. And what yeah. I'm taking, though, is that on a on an archetypal level, quintessentially, this journey of ensoulment into the deepest aspect of our humanity and retrieving, reclaiming, yeah. refining, and bringing that back into the world yeah. is at the heart of this feminine mystery journey you know we have yeah. the heroic myths which are the the external journeys into mm-hmm. the world that joseph mm-hmm. campbell made so um famous yeah. and this is the counterpart journey mm-hmm. you know the heroine and hero's journey the balance point mm-hmm. that the masculine and feminine the light and the dark the the venus cycle holds all of that yes and yes. that's what i think is so 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 powerful so if you haven't yet read the anonymous. I highly recommend going and reading it and um and taking some time with it. And what was the other piece that you named? It was the the the, the goddess with the largest heart. Was that the one that I- Yes, goddess of largest heart. And it was there are two authors, I can't recall, but it's it's a praise poems dedicated to Inanna. Oh. Um so it's a collection of these poems and, and again more historic um, research into the the world that Inanna was born into. Got it. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you for um, <laughs> for being here and for sharing your vast and intricate knowledge of all of these different systems mm-hmm. of seeing you know, how we're being guided, how we're being moved, what the soul German journey is, the insulman journey is. And so mm-hmm. With that said, if you want to learn more about what Tammy's up to, um, you will have all the details on the page. And um, I'm honored to have been with you, sweetheart, today. And it's been really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to um, more, more conversations going forward because I know there's a few, there's more of the things that we didn't get to today that I'd mm, love. Yes. <laughs> so with that said, mm-hmm. um, for all of you who've been listening you know, have a contemplate. We are currently in the Venus underworld journey. She is an evening star now. So for those of you who know where Venus is in your chart, if you're an evening star along with me, um, 
know that we're going to be journeying down inside the priestess presence temple for this next two turns of the wheel, actually, um, from fall equinox through to Samhain through to winter solstice. I'm going to be holding a lot of public ceremony um, online that you can come and join in with. And the theme is going to all be about the time of the shedding of the skin. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be working with snake medicine and mm-hmm. um, very much connected into the underworld and yes into that rebirth story and I'm getting chills as I'm saying that. (laughs) Wow, looking forward to having you with us. So with that said, thank you so much, Tammy, and for all the rest of you, it's been an honor to be here with you and stay tuned for another Red Podcast coming up very, very soon. Bye for now, my loves. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.